Hi there, you're listening to the Venture Builder Map podcast. My name is Andries DeVos. I'm the co-founder of Slash, a Singapore-based venture builder. Every week I come together with brilliant minds to talk about how venture building is changing the way startups are incubated and corporate innovation is evolving. For venture builders, I think about a startup factory that aims to build companies in succession over an extended period of time, where they also hold a substantial amount of equity. What I think an entrepreneur has to remember is that they don't need the whole package and tick all the checkboxes on your own. Three points that we're looking for in a founder, having high level of ambition and urgency, having high cognitive ability, and the third one, founders that are authentic. That person you heard speaking is Sean Hong, a director at Rainmaking's Corporate Innovation Venture Studio. Rainmaking is a startup incubator that launches startups in partnership with large companies, builds them into a solid business, and eventually exits them. It has 13 offices across three continents. Sean has a diverse background, both as a VC and as an engineer, where previously he even designed electric vehicles. In our discussion, we will cover how Rainmaking incubates new startups through corporate consortiums, and how it attracts the right founders to turn these into winning startups. So to help us set the stage for this discussion, could you describe the different types of corporate innovation programs at Rainmaking? Hi, Andreas. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Let me first state my role and the focus of our team before going into our corporate innovation programs. I specifically lead investments and new venture build activities with our corporate partners in Rainmaking. Our specific focus is within the transport space, where we're applying AI and deep technologies to both decarbonize and build resiliency in the global supply chain. Going back to your question, the innovation program that we run is called the Trade and Transport Impact Platform. We do three things here. One, we're addressing problems with technology as it is one of the most effective ways to tackle large problems. Two, we're collaborating with industry peers to leverage corporate assets. Three, we're syndicating the co-creation of new solutions again with our corporate partners. You can think of the platform we're building as a pyramid with three layers. The top layer is a macro theme that affects the transport space as a whole, like decarbonization. The middle layer are areas we see a potential to create partner collaborations at scale, like solving fuel efficiency, carbon capture, or CO2 transparency. The bottom broadest layer are specific opportunities to solve customer pain points by either new technologies or new business models. The platform works with corporates to either tackle a specific challenge in mind or start from a macro perspective. In this case, we work closely with partners like Mitsubishi, Cargill, Wilhelmsen, the Maritime Port Authority, and others on an ecosystem level to syndicate the solutions. One of the biggest challenges in venture building is identifying, recruiting, and retaining the right founder. How do you solve that problem, and what kind of founders are you looking for? You're right. Identifying, recruiting, and retaining the right founders or talent is one of the biggest challenges, not just in the venture building space, but everywhere else. We're really fortunate that we focus on a niche space, transport, and have built a small critical mass through the corporate partners that we work with. And as a result, have also helped greatly with attracting and recruiting talent in this industry, either through inbound interest in the work that we do or referral from within the ecosystem network. In our case, focusing on niche space helps solve that problem. On retaining founders, what we design for is for founders to have sufficient skin in the game to make this worthwhile for them. 
We look at what equity allocation a founder in a typical non-venture bill startup would have at later stages like Series B and work backwards to what the founders need to start off with from the beginning to help ensure that they're incentivized for the long run. On the kind of founders that we're looking for, so the three points to this. The first point that we're looking for are founders that have a high level of ambition and a high sense of urgency. We believe the combination of both ambition and urgency helps the founder lead and drive an industry, something that a founder has to be able to do. Secondly, we're looking for founders that have high cognitive ability. This is because we believe that high cognitive ability helps solve problems faster. Building a new venture is a lot about speed and how many times you can try your solution before running out of cash. Founders are likely doing a lot of new things every day that they've not done before. And if it's not done before, a strong problem-solving aptitude paired with focus on the right problem helps move things forward. The third thing that we're looking for in a founder is that they are authentic and not dissonant on why they're on this journey. Founders' reasons to start a startup are often mixed, ranging anywhere from wanting to make money, wanting the status and prestige of a startup, to genuinely interested in a problem. It's easy for potential founders to want to join a startup because they want to make money or they want the status and prestige. That's completely okay and most people do that. But if the founders are doing it just for the money or just for the status, they're not likely to succeed on a big scale or stay long-term because they'll realize that there are easier paths for the first two motives. And in summary, those are the three points that we're looking for in a founder, having high level of ambition and urgency, having high cognitive ability, and the third one, founders that are authentic. What do you think are the benefits of a venture builder compared to an accelerator or an incubator? Maybe it's easiest to first define what accelerators, incubators, and venture builders are before I dive deeper into it. So when mention accelerators and incubators, I think about a fixed term, say six months, cohort-based program of maybe 15 startups that include mentorship and educational workshops that usually concludes in a public pitch event or demo day. So that's what I think about when we're talking about accelerators and incubators. For venture builders, I think about a startup factory that aims to build companies in succession over an extended period of time, where they also hold a substantial amount of equity. And substantial here being anywhere from 20% to 90%. The core activities that venture builders help out with spans anywhere from forming business ideas, building teams, finding capital, leading ventures, sharing services, to the best practices in building a new venture. So that's how I would kind of define what a venture builder is. Now, onto what the benefits are, I'll outline the three benefits I see of a venture builder like ourselves. So number one, venture builders are in the long haul with these startups. Venture builders have to be very selective with where they deploy their time and resources. Time is spent making sure that the product, the team, the market can work before committing because working with one venture means deselecting another. So in this case, we have the opposite problem of a typical venture capitalist, and it's that it's difficult to have a huge portfolio. This is because we have very specialized resources and expertise to help companies scale and can realistically only help a handful of companies at each time. 
and therefore have to be very selective to where these resources and expertise are being applied to. The second benefit is venture builders work on ideas that are probably more likely to take off. This is because venture builders have built-in best practices and systems to validate ideas as quickly as possible and kill those ideas that we see no potential as early on as possible. It goes back to being sure that this is a venture we want to build before committing resources. Because of that, we're also more rigorous about having the right goals and hard stops in place when we're building a venture. This creates more discipline, more unity, and more focus amongst the team when working together. The third benefit is venture builders have best practices and methodologies in place to optimize for outcomes or results. This is because a lot of things that startups do as a one-off, venture builders do it frequently. When things are done frequently, there's a process for it. And when there's a process, you can tweak and iterate to improve it. So these best practices can be, for example, hiring a new executive for the venture. We have the process of how the talent pipeline funnel is, when and how to test these candidates, scripts for the interview on what criteria one should focus on and more. These are best practices as a baseline that the founders can use it as a template to iterate on their own. And what they don't need to do is start from scratch and build one. This helps save time and keep their attention on other parts of the business that they are working on. So in summary, the three benefits of a venture builder comparatively to an accelerator or an incubator is that one, venture builders are in the long haul with the startups. Two, the ideas that are being worked on are more likely to take off. And three, they have best practices and methodologies in place to optimize for outcome. So here's a, a question which always causes debates. Do you think entrepreneurs are made or born? So I think this is a tricky question to tackle. So in my view, I think it's a scale. I think entrepreneurs are partly born and their attributes from entrepreneurs that are heavily influenced by the environment. If we take what we're looking for in the founder as the definition of an entrepreneur, which is one, high level of ambition and urgency, two, high cognitive ability, three, authenticity, there are some components that are influenced by the environment and there are some components that are born with. So maybe I'll start with what I think entrepreneurs are born with. And to me, cognitive ability is the only one. I think it's one we don't have a choice on. And if an entrepreneur is not born with it, they will have to supplement their offerings with other attributes like hard work, grit, emotional intelligence to have a supportive group of people in their entrepreneurial journey. On the ones that are influenced by the environment, I think number one ambition and urgency is that. Uh, so for example, I think people from a third world country or an immigrant to a new country are likely to be more driven because of the survival instinct in play. The second one, authenticity, I think it's also shaped by the environment. And I believe the more exposed one is to authentic individuals, the more, the more likely they are to be that way too. And I found this is true certainly in my case where I've learned it along the way in this journey through osmosis from other great founders that I've met in our ecosystem. Having said all that, I think that whether or not an entrepreneur is made or born is a fairly subjective opinion in this case. What I think an entrepreneur has to remember is that they don't need the whole package and tick all the checkboxes on their own. It's about being aware of their own strengths and weaknesses and deliberately building a team of people with complementary skills and attributes 
to ensure that the blind spots are covered as much as possible. If you would set up a venture builder today, how would you structure it and what would be its business model? That's very much what we're trying to do today. Let me preface first that I'm on a journey in search to find more consistent ways to value add into ventures. In other words, how can I make innovation more predictable? I think we're on the third model today. I'll start with the first two models and move into what we're doing at Rainmaking. So the first model to me is venture capital. The value add for venture capital is the capital. They can deploy a huge amount of capitals and deploy it really quickly. Once a venture capitalist is invested, the question always is, are these companies growing because the VCs are still consistently adding value to help them grow? Or are these startups growing anyway, regardless? It's difficult to know what predictable value is being input into the startup once the VC has invested. So here came the second model. The second model is venture building, where venture builders bring in capabilities to build a venture. So after an investment, for example, there's still value being driven on the product development front. And this is through the expertise, the best practices, the resources put in to take a startup off of the ground. And this is a slightly better predictable driver of innovation to me. As a startup is being built in this process, the next step at which most startups get stuck for a while is the product market fit part. A lot of time is spent trying to find a fit. And unless that fit is found, it's difficult for startups to really scale. A venture builder helps startup build MVPs and prototypes and operationally run really quickly. But if it takes a long time to validate the product and the product is not the right fit, the company has to go back to the drawing board. And in this case, you can lose many months of cash runway. So simply put, the longer it takes between building and verifying what you've built is not right, the more time you've kind of wasted. And these are outcomes that kill the business. So I'm interested in short-circuiting that process as much as possible. This is where I think the 3.0 model comes in, using corporate partners as an unfair advantage. Corporates have a large amount of assets that allows startups to quickly test against, to iterate, and find their product market fit. It doesn't mean that the startups can build it right from the get-go. That's unlikely to be true. It's still an iterative process, but rather how can we shorten that time spent iterating? To me, that's working directly with the users of the product to build collaboratively. So for example, if I wanted to run an IoT hardware play on a ship, through partnering with a corporate that manages more than half the world's fleet, I can test if there's a solution fit quickly through their distribution and network access. If there's a fit, the solution can be distributed quickly. And if there isn't, the startup can also quickly go back to the drawing board to start again. What this does is buys time. So this is largely my journey to find a more consistent way to drive value into a startup using the 3.0 model, which is the combination of venture capital, venture building, and corporate assets. And that's my best hypothesis right now. And that's how we're building it today at Rainmaking. Thank you for listening. If you found this discussion valuable and don't want to miss any future episodes, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, search for the VBMAP Podcasts and subscribe.